The advice and opinions expressed by the hosts of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. into the music. Uh, so thrilled to be here with you this morning. Barely had time to throw some lipstick on this very last minute this morning getting in front of the camera. But thrilled to be here with you guys. Thrilled to be here live. Today is, I'm checking the date, it's the 30th of July 2021. We are live here this morning. It's just me this morning. Shannon Penrod joining you. Good morning, Vanessa. Uh, and uh, our good friend Nancy Osbaugh-Jackson is on vac- a much-needed vacation, and we hope that she is having a wonderful time, and will be back with us next week. But it's just me today and our wonderful guest, who's going to be joining us in just a little while, ben- Vince Redman, who is a licensed marriage and fam- family. See, I'm just trying to go too fast. Let's slow down. Take a breath right? Sometimes we have to do that for ourselves, uh, which is part of what I want to talk about today. Uh, but... Uh, we're, we're, he's a licensed marriage and family therapist. We're going to be talking with him this morning about topics that you guys are interested in. So if you have a question that you're like, uh, you know, struggling with this or struggling with that, please write in and tell us what you'd like to talk about. I have given Vince the, um, you know, the opening topic that I want to talk about COVID fatigue, um, how just done everybody is and, and how everything is just a little bit upside down. We're going to talk about that in a little while. Uh, but let's start with a couple of uh, really important ground things that we welcome you, first of all, to be here. Our, our uh, mission is to provide information and inspiration, and we want to provide that to everybody who feels the need to be here. We think that the community that needs to be here are people who are either on the spectrum themselves or people who love someone on the spectrum. And we'd like for that to be everyone. I think, you know, that's a big lofty goal um, that, you know, we talk about awareness and acceptance and all of these things. I want to, the place on the hill that I want to get to is where people on the spectrum are loved by everyone. Um, And we'll just keep working until we get there. So uh, we know that that is a big community already and we welcome you. We know that each and every one of you has a unique set of circumstances. And um, okay, the fan is on. I thought I turned it off, Traven. We're getting feedback again. Sorry, you guys. I'm turning it off now. Please note whether the noise stops. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, but, uh, in any case, uh, we, you know, if you're someone who's on the spectrum, we hope you'll find a home here and a place to have your voice heard. If you are someone who loves someone on the spectrum, we hope that you'll find a home here and a place where your voice is heard. And for all of those groups to find some inspiration, um, motivation, peace, acceptance, uh, um, a sense of the, I don't even like the word normal anymore. What is normalcy? Normal is a, you know, uh, I don't know. It's not even a setting on the dryer anymore. I don't know what it is, but I I hope you'll find a place where acceptance um, and empathy and justice and equity and all of those things here, that's what we're striving for here. And um, a place to tell your stories, right? We've been telling Vanessa's story here on, on the show about her son, Tori, and the fact that terrible, I don't know if you've got an update for us, um, Vanessa, but, you know, terrible set of circumstances. We're still encouraging you to please make a donation to um, Tory Ridgeway's GoFundMe because he's a young man who worked really hard to be able to go to college, got a full ride scholarship. Uh, In his essay, disclosed that he is a person on the spectrum and has had a lot to overcome to be as successful as he is, earned the scholarship 
with his grades and his essay, and then now has had that taken away from him because they're saying that the ROTC Navy um, has a policy that you can't get you can't get this scholarship if you have a developmental uh, disability that was still present at age fourteen. I just don't even know how random. <laughs> like, what a ridiculous! If you earned it, you know, then then you earned it. But right now, um, we need to get Tori off to college. And so, uh, Trayvon, if you have the ability to put in the chat where people can uh, donate. So there's just one example of, we hope that you'll tell your stories here. Vanessa was very gracious in letting us tell Tori's story. So, um, you know, please donate. And there's no donation that's too small. Please give what you can. Search the couch cushions. I donated. I, you know, I think sometimes people think, well, that's all well and good, but yes, I donated. So I hope that you guys will donate as well. There it is on the screen. And if you have the ability to put it in the chat for people too. Um, uh, and Vanessa says the top Colonel at NSI training uh, commended Tori and said he did a fine job. Uh, just another example, because he has been going through the training, he has been going through the orientation, the expectation is he's got to start school here in a couple of weeks. And, you know, he didn't get to apply for other scholarships, you guys, because he was counting on this full ride scholarship that he'd already earned, has the piece of paper that says, you know, you don't have to worry about college, They're, we're paying for everything, including the books, including your ride to the thing. And then they went, oopsie, sorry, we have a rule that says you because you have a diagnosis of autism, cannot do this. Not fair, not right. They're, you know, appealing it. They're doing everything that they can, but you know what that's like. That takes time. And in the meantime, we cannot allow for Tori to be late to school. So donate what you can. Uh, okay. So let's talk about how you can write in and tell us about your story. Because there's a couple of things that I want you guys to know. We're live right now. We're going to be talking about autism from a 360-degree perspective for the next hour here live. And if you're watching us live, you're probably watching us on Facebook Live, on Twitter, on um, YouTube, or there's about 10 other places that the show is live right now. But if you're on those big ones, they have an interactive format that that works really well with our format. So if you write in on YouTube, if you write in on Facebook, if you write in on Twitter, I'm going to see it almost in real time right here uh, with you. And then you and I can have a conversation and better yet, you can have a conversation with Vince Redmond coming up in a few minutes. So feel free to write in. We love it, especially when you tell us where in the world you're watching from. I love it when we have uh, people from all over the place. It just reminds me that our circle is bigger than we know, right? So feel free to write in and say, hey, or to, or where you're at or ask a question. You know, uh, we'll, we're, we've got a licensed marriage and family therapist with uh, a vast experience in the field of autism who's going to be joining us in a few minutes. So feel free to write those questions in. If you are not watching us live, you're watching us recorded, you might be watching us as a podcast. We are a podcast that's available uh, as a free download wherever you get your podcasts. We are the number one rated autism podcast worldwide. And that's thanks to all of you because we don't have a marketing budget. You don't see advertisements for autism. I wish you did, but you don't. Um, and so we count on you grouse, to do grassroots marketing. And if you like what you find here, tell one other person and ask them if they like what they find, tell one other person. In that way, we've had millions of millions, literally people find the show, but there are millions, tens of millions, probably a billion who might benefit from what we have here. We'd like to think that they would and don't know about us. So please like us, share us, follow us review us, do whatever is available on the site that you do to let more people know. Um, and if you are watching the show recorded and you're like, dang, I would have liked to have written in, please feel free on our homepage, autism-live.com. You'll find our whole library of videos and they're organized in different ways so that they're searchable and that you can find what you're looking for one way or the other. Um, but there's also a, a chat button at the bottom. It's not an interactive chat in that I can't talk back to you in that chat, but it's a way for you to ask questions for things that you saw recorded. Please make sure you reference, 
either the date of the video or the name of the guest or the topic so that I know what I'm looking for when I go back to try to find answers for, for what you need. Yeah. Uh, okay. We also, I always like to remind you too, that we have lots of experts on the show. going to have one in a few minutes. I'm not one of them. Uh, my credentials are that I am a a very proud and grateful mom of a wonderful young man who was diagnosed with autism when he was two and a half. And he is truly the light of my life. And I wouldn't change a hair on his head. He just turned 18 and graduated from high school and he's off to college in the fall. And I attribute a lot of that to the help and support that we got. I'm a big fan of ABA and I, I refuse to be apologetic about that because I'm a fan of good quality ABA. And I know that a lot of you have written in and you have other feelings about it. And I, I welcome you to have whatever feelings you have. I just always say, let's make sure that we're talking about apples to apples and oranges to oranges because ABA is a teaching tool and we've all had bad teachers. You know what I mean? And we know of bad schools, right? So um, I, I think that there is some bad, shoddy ABA out there, and I'm not happy about it. I'd like to stomp that out. But good quality ABA preserves the individual and their sense of self and actually helps them to advocate for themselves um, and have the kind of life and world that they want, not something that somebody has put artificially on top of them. It uh, gives them choices, which for me was very important as a parent that my son had that. And he went from being nonverbal to, you know, now going to fully verbal and going to a college in the fall, majoring in screenwriting. So someday I hope to be at the Oscars and uh, see him winning an Oscar for writing his screenplay and be like, yeah, no, see, uh, like, I know people who go, well, you know, ABA stumps the creativity out of a kid. I think quite the contrary. Good quality ABA allows the creativity within the individual, child or adult, to flourish. And I've seen that many, many times. So I'm a big proponent of that. But we also talk about other interventions and diets and other things. There's nothing really off the table. Uh, we just ask that everybody speak kindly to each other and that everyone um, be accepting of the fact that your path may not be somebody else's path. Because this, this entire community, it's big and it's beautiful and it comes in every single size, every single color, every single creed, every single religion, every, every single you know, political uh, designation. Uh, this is you know, the autism spectrum and the community that loves and surrounds it is everything under the rainbow and a few that haven't even been invented on the rainbow. You know what I'm saying? So we have to foster the acceptance of allowing other people to think and feel and act how, what's appropriate for them. That's, that's the tune that we are singing here. So, um, but uh, we also on Friday like to give you, if Nancy was here, uh, we, we love to do in the news with her, but we, we still have in the news for you guys today. Just a couple of short stories before we have Vince. I think the biggest news story uh, about autism in the media this week was Wentworth Miller. That Wentworth Miller is uh, a television actor, uh, movie star, uh, probably best known for his recurring role in Prison Break. And... Um, you know, a, a very, Trayvon and I were talking about this show yesterday, and uh, this was not a show that would have been my kind of show, although I watched it, because I, here's, isn't this I, ironic, I ran into a dad who, this was right around, when this started, was right around when my son was being diagnosed, and I ran into a dad who worked on this show and ha who had two kids on the autism spectrum. And so I was talking to him and he had this message of hope and about all these things that his kids who were older were doing. One of them had just gone to camp and I was like, there's a possibility that my child could go to camp at some point. And so he, I was following snowshoes in the print, uh, snow prints in the, yeah, you know what I mean? Prints in snowshoe prints in the snow. Um, and he said, you got to watch this new show I'm working on prison break and I wanted to be kind and supportive of an autism dad. So I watched that show and look, it was a great show, but I still have nightmares. It's not my kind of show, but Wentworth Miller played this very calculating, um, you know, I mean, calculating, very intelligent guy who goes into a prison, gets convicted of a crime and goes into a prison and he's covered with tattoos 
And each tattoo has clues he needs to know so that he can get his, his brother broken out of prison. Oh my gosh, this show, uh, you know, just, I, you know, the heart palpitations that it gave me. But anyway, uh, you know, Wentworth Miller, a very respected, well-known actor. And this week he came forward on Twitter and with a statement and said, basically, I have been diagnosed on the spectrum. It's a really thoughtful, well-written letter that I encourage everyone to read in its entirety. You can find it anywhere online right now. We're showing it in, um, I don't know, are we showing it in the Hollywood uh, Reporter? Um, But it's everywhere. If you just Google Wentworth Miller, you'll find his statement, which is not very long. And there were so many things in it that really resonated with me that I loved, that I thought, wow, deeply thoughtful and respectful of the community that he said, um, you know, that this was something that first um, he was unofficially diagnosed and then he, then he moved into self-diagnosing. He did some reading and went, Ooh, I think I recognize me in there. And then he went for an actual clinical official diagnosis, which I got to say, super appreciate that he said that because I think it's sort of the arc that people go in. I've interviewed a lot of adults on the spectrum who've gotten their diagnosis as an adult as adult. And usually it starts with somebody says something like, mm, have you ever looked at this? Like, you, you, know, you strike me a little unofficial diagnosis. Then they kind of go down the rabbit hole and they read a lot and go, I think I just met myself for the first time. Um, and some people stop there. And Wentworth Miller talks about that. And he says, Here's one of the things that I want to say to the world is having just gone through this process that it's really way too difficult. Thank you. Thank you. um, Someone who has a mouthpiece for saying that because he talks about how it's really exhausting. Uh, You know, you got to find somebody who will do the diagnosis. It's really expensive. It's arduous and it's time consuming. And it's really probably something that most adults don't get to the point of which causes a lot of contention in our community because we have people who will come forward and say that they're on the spectrum. And then upon further investigation, we find out they're self-diagnosing, which may be accurate, but I think we all feel a little bit more comfortable when we have confirmation from somebody who is clinically able to diagnose that, yes, this person qualifies and meets the criteria because a lot of us I think we're all somewhere on the spectrum, but a lot of us don't qualify for the diagnosis. Some people do. And what that means is that that person is affected by this to such an extent that it requires a special designation, right? And if, you know, I I said uh, not that long ago, I said, you know, I, I, I have sensory issues, but I don't qualify for a diagnosis of an autism spectrum diagnosis. I can have empathy. I know that sometimes it interrupts my day or causes me to not do something, but I can make the rest of my life work around that. And there are people who cannot, and that is different than it interrupting my day. And and I think we all need to have a little bit of awareness about that. So I love that Wentworth Miller specified and said, yep, I went through this process. And by the way, this is hard to do. I can see why people don't go and get the full diagnosis because expensive, arduous, time consuming. Yeah. So I absolutely love that. And I also love the fact that he said, I'm not going to come out guns blazing and tell people everything there is about autism because I'm new to this party. And I'm going to other people who um, have been telling these stories more often. I, I just thought it was really thoughtful. I thought, and, he, and you know what else he said? Um, there was a part of his statement where he thanked people for anyone who had been patient with him, even not knowing uh, what he was going through. It was, I felt like it was a statement of saying, thank you for recognizing my humanity and allowing me to be myself. And, and being kind about that, which made me really warm and fuzzy for the fact that, that he has met people in his life who, who have been that. Isn't that what we want everybody to be for everyone, diagnosis or not? Um, but I thought that was particularly lovely that he took the time to thank those people. 
And, uh, you know, I hope that as the days and weeks and time goes on, I think we're going to see more of this. I think we're going to see more prominent people coming forward saying, yep, I took the time, I got a diagnosis and, you know, and everybody starts to go, oh, okay, well, you know, I had an interaction with Wentworth Miller that maybe I didn't understand at the time, but this puts it a little bit more in perspective. I just want to take a second to say, though, there's lots going on right now. Um, in I went to a Ed talk at the Ed Asner um, Family Center the other day online that was all about animation and how um, all of these studios have, uh, animation and voiceover, excuse me, and all these studios have committed to making sure that they provide opportunities for people who are differently able to have the opportunity to audition, the opportunity at jobs, the opportunity to perform. Um, but given that opportunity, we're not guaranteeing saying a percentage, we're going to hire a certain number of people, but we're going to guarantee that the opportunity is there for someone to come in and show their talents. I thought it was great. And, and, there, and there was a, a voiceover talent that was there. And there was um, two people from Disney, one from casting, one from that over oversees animation and they were talking very realistically about where they're trying to get to and and how they're making accommodations i thought it was really lovely and i think that and there were also two actors that were there that we've had on the show before that are people who actors on the spectrum who have done voiceover work um, and done other acting work right so it was great to have that all represented and i just you know it's made me think about the last five years that we've gone from a time when you know, there were, we weren't seeing any representation, authentic representation. First of all, we weren't seeing representation, right? Then all of a sudden we were seeing characters that had autism, right? Uh, and then it went from, well, why aren't we giving autistic actors, actually autistic actors, an opportunity to play these roles, right? And then there was this moment, this moment in time. First, it was just a little peep, but... Um, Kobe Bird, who we've had on the show and who we absolutely adore, um, suddenly he was cast on the show Speechless as a kid on the spectrum, one of the friends. And it was like, look at that. Look, what, what just happened? Was a character written that has autism and they actually hired a kiddo on the spectrum to play him? Look at that. And, you know, I think, I don't know whether he was on one episode or two, had a couple of lines. So it was this little boop, but it was significant. It was like the boop that went and spread out. And the next thing you know, uh, Kobe's got a speaking role on The Good Doctor. And now we've got boop. And, and then somebody else, Alex Plank, gets a speaking role on, on Good Doctor. Now we're boop, boop. And then all of a sudden it was like boop, 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 right? And all of these things happened as a result of it. And now we've got all these actors playing individuals on the spectrum and and i was like well you know the next fence we got to get to is that actors who are on the spectrum can play people who are neurotypical well it turns out that that's been happening for a long time but it was happening without anyone being aware and i want to venture to say that five years ago if i don't think that if wentworth miller was diagnosed five years ago i don't think he would have put out a press release about it but he can today because it's totally accepted. It's not going to prevent him from his next acting job. And isn't that a great place to be in? So I just want to thank everybody. And I want to remind everybody that we didn't have this five years ago. And I want to thank Kobe Bird because, you know, he was a 15 year old kid who just, and I want to thank the folks at Speechless. And then ultimately, I think Netflix has been one of the greatest uh, contributors and the folks at, uh, at Netflix. And I include the good doctor in that because they're related to the Netflix people. Um, I want to thank them for how much they've prioritized this because we've created an environment in which this can happen. And I just think it's going to lead to other better things. Um, but I want, I also want to thank Kobe Bird for just being a brave 15 year old and, and going in and being such a professional. You can find him now on lock and key and he's lovely on Lock and Key. And, uh, you know, we, we look forward to seeing season two of Lock and Key. We're, we're, you know, really looking forward to that. So 
thank you to all of our actually autistic actors. Um, and thank you to Wentworth Miller for being brave, stepping forward and, and, you know, not overstepping, but doing it brilliantly and lovely. We absolutely adore that. And, and I love Wentworth Miller all the more. Liked him before, love him all the more now. Okay, moving on to our next news story that we have. I uh, want to give a shout out to the University of Iowa, who um, they're involved in a new project. Um, and I want to make sure that I bring this up. I have no idea where it is. Uh, hang on. I've lost my place in everything. Uh, all my screens are going crazy. I have no idea where I am. Uh, but there's a new research center uh, at the University of Iowa that's looking at specifically um, diagnosis concerns and and they're currently, uh, and this is a, a dad of uh, a young man who's on the spectrum and the dad is a researcher and said, I want to know more about how this happens. And so they are currently taking participants that are very young and asking folks to take way more video than anybody ever thought of so that they can begin to look and see things through a very finite lens. It's very interesting. I want to encourage anybody who's out there who's got little kids and is watching, take as much videotape as you can bear. It's digital now. What's It's just going to take up space. Get it like a two terabyte little thing. Take videos. Here's what I want you to know. There's absolutely no possibility they're going to be like, dang, I wish we'd taken less video. That will never happen. Nobody has ever said that ever. Everybody has said, oh, why didn't we videotape back? Uh, your kids change day by day. Take video. I think for families that have kiddos on the spectrum, I think we take less video because it feels heartbreaking if your kid is inter interacting to take video of them. If your kid is tantruming, it feels heartbreaking to take video of them. But I'll be honest with you, you got to be doing something and you can stand there and stress while things are happening. You can stand there and feel bad or you can videotape so that you can see the progress as your child starts to get better, as your child starts to express who they are, as your child finds their place in the world. So videotape, video, videotape. But the University of Iowa is very interested in participants because they're looking at being able to go back and seeing a mass amount of information because doctors and researchers can't watch kids every day. That's up to us, the caregivers. So videotape, 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 but go to the University of Iowa and take a look at what uh, what they're doing. If you live close by, um, see if you can participate. And they might even be taking people from far away, I'm not sure. Uh, but we really, really appreciate um, that this is, I think they're gonna come up with something really interesting about this. I'm still lost. So Traven, go ahead and put up our third story because I cannot find it anywhere. I have this new system with a new screen and I can't find any, anything. Oh, the robotics team. Yes, 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 yes. So um, I love this. You know, my son got involved in robotics when he was in um, junior high first, but then got involved in competitive robotics when he was in high school. What a fun thing that is. Um, there is something called first robotics, which, um, almost every junior high and high school has it now. And I, it, it is in conjunction with Lego Mindstorms and NASA works with them. And, you know, I remember the first tournament that I went to and I, I called Dr. Grand Pichet afterwards. And I said, you know, when Jem was little and, um, you know, I wanted to know, like, where are all the kids that are doing well? Like, why? where are all the teenagers that are on the spectrum that are doing well that I want as role models and examples? Where are they? And, you know, here and there, you'd meet somebody and they tell you the story of their kid who was doing well. And I just was like, but, but wait a second, if all these kids are being diagnosed, where are all these kids? And I know where they are now. They're at robotics tournaments. I went to a three-day robotics tournament and thought my head was going to explode. And I was meeting these people from all over the place. And at, at some point or other, we'd get to the point and they'd be like, well, you know, and they'd be telling me about their kid and how long they'd been in robotics. And then they'd go, well, you know, the truth is my son is on the spectrum and this is really good for him. And it helped him with social, but it's also something very rewarding. I heard that story so many times that I, I did. I called Dr. Grampish and I was like, I found them. I know where they are. They're at a robotics tournament. So I love this story. Uh, there's a team that's called Mechanical Advantage. They all have a name. Uh, and they're out of San Diego. 
And a lot of times when they do these robotics tournaments, they're given very specific tasks that they need to complete. And there's, there's a whole bunch of different things that they can compete on. But this year, with all this distancing, it was really, really hard. In fact, my son didn't even participate this year. Other people on his team did, but my son, he, you know, there was too much with college. He just said, I, I can't do it all. Uh, and by the way, there's lots of scholarship money for robotics teams, too, uh, and for individuals on robotics teams. But so there was a there was a contest this year where they were asked to do something to give back to the community. Uh, and so this particular team out of San Diego, Mechanical Advantage, decided that they were going to create an app um, and an app that would hopefully engage people on the autism spectrum. And so what they did was they created an app and my understanding of it, love to have them on, by the way, to talk about this, but my understanding of it is they created an app that was really fun, that there was a game element that could be customized um, to what somebody wanted to play. But then there were challenges that you had to do something physical in order to have game time. I know your head's just exploded, right? So, um, but they made it super fun and super customizable because they realized that all individuals on the autism schools and don't respond in the same way. So it was really customizable, but basically, um, you know, you could choose and say, you know, so I want to play the game and what do I have to, what quests do I have to accomplish before I can play the game? It might be 30 jumping jacks, right? And so you click that, you, you know, and it, and it would measure your movement. And as soon as you moved enough, so you couldn't cheat, you couldn't just say, okay, I did it. Uh, Cause you know, I, I know people that have Fitbits that like put them on their dogs. And I'm like, what is the point y'all? But whatever, but I love this. Um, and when interviewed and they didn't win the top prize but they won a prize at the competition for this. Um, and what I especially loved about it was that these high school kids said afterwards, they were like, this opened my mind to the possibility of things that I can do to make the world a better place. And one of them said, I now, like, you know, when we started on this, it was just sort of pie in the sky, but I now believe that maybe we can get this app made. So I hope that somebody hears that and uh, that they uh, will please make this app because I want to do this app. I love to, I said the other day, I love to play stupid games on my phone, but if it made me do sit-ups, heaven knows something exciting might happen. Uh, it's just behavior, right? So I absolutely love it. Hey, we're saying good morning to Alicia and um, Vanessa says Netflix has a series, Atypical. Um, Vanessa, you should go and, and put Atypical into the search on autism-live.com and see. We've had uh, Rabia Rashid on the show. She's the creator and uh, head writer uh, on Atypical. We've had her on the show. We've uh, had interviews with We've been at events and had live interviews with the whole cast. And then the actors in the show that are on the spectrum, I think we've, I think we now can say that we've had all of them on at one point or another. And just recently, and right before um, the, the most season, the last season uh, dropped, we just had um, the two main characters that are, individuals, actors, actually autistic actors were here on the show. So check those interviews out. We love Atypical and have thoroughly enjoyed what a wonderful, wonderful series. And I can't wait to see what Netflix does next because Netflix has been really um, out in the front of making things, producing things that have characters, that hire actors, that tells stories, love on the spectrum. I mean, you know, they've done it in every, they've done series, movies, uh, reality series. Netflix is getting it done. Somebody over at Netflix gets it. I don't know who it is. Uh, we would want to kiss them on the lips, but it's COVID. So we won't do that, but we say nice things about them behind their back. Uh, whenever possible. So, all right, we're way past time. Uh, Vince Redman is waiting in the wings. He's amazing. 
Uh, he's a licensed marriage and family therapist with vast experience working in the field of autism and working in the field of ABA autism and good quality ABA autism. So we welcome Vince. He's a regular here on the show. Uh, Vince, how are you today? Good morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I uh, I don't know if you saw my email. I was wondering if we could talk a little bit about COVID fatigue. Um, but I also was going to give a shout out this morning. I feel very passionately, I don't know how everybody else feels, but I put a post on my Facebook yesterday about Simone Biles and, and how much in support I am of her and how impressed I am with her that she said, uh-uh, I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to prioritize my mental health. And I didn't mention that I was going to bring that up, Vince, but I'm going to guess that you uh, are also a fan of putting your mental health before absolutely everything else. Would I be accurate? Of course, of course, yes. I mean, obviously there's a lot behind that story that hasn't come out or is coming out in regards to, you know, a lot of assumptions and accusations going around. But if you're not mentally where you are physically, it's not going to work. You're, yeah. you're endangering yourself. You're endangering others. And she was very brave in knowing that the two weren't together. There was a lot of, you know, discussion in regards to she had the twisties, which is a, a gymnastics term for she, her spatial awareness was very off. She yeah. didn't know where she was. She couldn't control her body in the air. She couldn't control her body coming off the platforms, either the, the bars or the, the horse and stuff. And she knew that she wasn't able to do it and made the decision to be able to step back, yeah. not only to protect herself, but also to know that she had the bravery to do that is amazing. Absolutely yeah. amazing. I really can't. I have, I have very little patience for people who are, um, have criticized her for dropping out. And because um, I just I, I have a hard time. I think one of the things that has bothered me is that in all of this, people have talked about the pressure of being an athlete and the pressure of trying to repeat your performance and stuff. And I, you know, I am militantly saying too, that this is a young woman that since she last competed on the Olympics came forward, she was one of the last people to come forward and say that she was the victim of that horrible, you know, unspeakable, uh, you know, right. Oh, I like, you know, I want to say tragedy, but it's much worse than that. Um, the, the doctor who was molesting all of these young women and that people were aware of it and covering it up. And she was one of the last people to come forward. And it was traumatic for her to come forward. And if people have not lived through that, of what it is like to go through being the victim of that kind of, not just, you know, the molestation, but having the adults around you covering it up. If you haven't been through that, you should, you should, in my opinion, you should sit down and shut up. Um, but you know, then, then marry that with coming out in the public and then having to go through it for people, you know, how stressful that was, then go through a pandemic and now go to the Olympics. I'm stressing out when I go to the grocery store right now, because I'm unused to being at the grocery store. If you put me on a plane and sent me to Tokyo, and that, that's just, you know, to be on a plane someplace. I just think there's a lot of factors here and people need to grab a whoopee right. and, you know, send love to her and respect. Because I said what she just did was teach a, a gazillion young girls that it's okay to prioritize your mental health above everything else, even when other people are uncomfortable and go, but you should do this. The Olympics only comes every four years. You should, for your team, no, it's malarkey. We all just got schooled by Simone Biles in the best possible way about mental health. I'm, I, I just want to give her a hug. Well, I think the biggest thing is we have to remember, we have to stop using the word quit. She didn't, yeah. quit. She didn't back out or, she, or, or stop because she had better things to do or didn't like her coach or it wasn't tough right this wasn't she didn't quit she stepped back because she knew she was in danger that she was in danger physically she was in danger mentally and she was doing a service to her team by yeah. stepping back yes. giving the other girls the opportunities to who who were physically 
able, mentally able, that to to step forward and do this. I, I mean, again, like we said, the bravery is is so deep because it wasn't quitting, and I think that's where you see a lot of the pundits and trolls, and you know, we can go on and on about what's out there in social media land. Um, this wasn't quitting in the sense that people are framing her as, right? She took a brave step to knew, know she wasn't right. Again, this was not mental health wise. We don't know that, like you said, there's tons of pressure, tons of things, and then you're entering a country where it's complete lockdown again. Nobody, you know, in, in restrictions, she's getting tested every day. And, you know, the amount of pressure that you're feeling as a young individual at that point is, is amazing on top of it. However, that, that you know, the, the spatial awareness in her body and yeah. her body not reacting the way it's supposed to based on her training and her years of experience, you know, accumulate all of that together in a 24, I think she is? Yeah, 24. You know, your own mind, it's a very brave step to take care of yourself, take yeah. care of your teammates, as well as take care of your team. She did yeah. all of that by what she did. She didn't let anybody down. She actually protected herself and her team from injury. She behaved like a leader and, and a really thoughtful leader. I, I'm, I'm, I find it remarkable. I'm going to shift just a, a little bit and ask you uh, if you've been watching Ted Lasso. Uh, I watched last season. I have not seen the first two okay. yet. Uh, well, and there, you know, it's interesting that I'd never heard of the twisties before. I didn't, I'm not a big sports person, not an athlete. So I didn't realize that, you know, this, you know, that there are high performing athletes who can get locked up and that they have names for it. And, they, and there's actually an episode of Ted Lasso where they talk about this thing. And I know that you're a soccer coach. I just, I thought maybe you might be enjoying Ted Lasso. It is. Uh, it, is. <laughs> it was, I love the first season. Again, I haven't, I know they just came out last week, I believe yes. it, it, the first two yeah. sessions, or first two episodes came back out. So I do look forward to, to catching on to season two. Well, the second episode came out at midnight last night. I know at 9.03, we were trying to watch it and there were too many people trying to watch it. It was right. like being a pro. Um, I hope to watch it at some point today. Uh, if you haven't watched it, I, I, I'm, I'm in love with this show. I think it's one of the, it's one of the only hopeful things I've seen all year. I've watched a lot of television and it's one of the only hopeful things. Uh, but now yeah. I want to take another hard turn. Real quick for, for Ted Lasso, yeah. what it does on that show is it shows exactly what sports are intended to be, yeah. right? As a youth soccer coach for 30 plus years, I don't want to date myself. You know, this is what you try to instill in the little girls and little boys as they're growing up is, you know, uh, communication and responsibility and, you know, uh, uh, accountability for yourself and doing what's right for your team, not just for yourself. And all of the, you know, the family or, or, you know, family morals and, and pillars of character we try to teach our kids, he's trying to do now with adults. And yeah. I think it's a wonderful message for everybody in a very dramatic and comedic way yeah it's super fun super super fun um but i asked you to talk with us today about covid fatigue that i feel like i'm suffering from this and i think a lot of people are suffering from this and that, that it has two sides to it one is that we're all done we just mm -hmm. all want to be done it's like please could this be done like can we please get back to normal and enough already, right? Although, you know, here in Los Angeles, two days ago, we had the alert go off on our phones telling us we are not done, that numbers are surging and that we need to be more careful than ever. And it just feels like, no, how, you know, just like so exhausting. But I think the other side of it that a friend was talking to me about yesterday and I went, oh, that's it exactly, is that it's this weird thing where on the one hand, I don't know about you, Vince, but I'm back to the crazy keep, you know, I got to drive my kid here. We got to be here. This, this is happening. It's this person's birthday. We're right back on the treadmill. Like the very worst of what was happening before COVID is back in place of, we have expectations and places we have to be and, and all these things. Right. And I got to hurry, got to be there now, but we also don't have the ability here in Los Angeles anyway 
to do the things that helped us to make that worthwhile. Like, you know, it's birthday, so we got to hurry and, and do this and get this and whatever, but we can't get together. We, you know, we're, we, we can't all, I mean, we're at the point where we're vaccinated so we can wear masks and we get together with people, but you can't hug everybody. You can't see everybody's face. Like we're, we're not all the way back, but we're not all the way where we were before. We're someplace in between and every day the rules change and everybody's rules are different. And it feels like we're walking on jello. That's we what it feels like. We are in the COVID abyss. Yes. Um, for sure. And, and I think you hit the nail on the head in that there's too many variations between cities, counties, states, yeah. families. There's no one guideline or guide, set of guidelines that are following. I, I mean, Again, we kind of, for those of us who are more scientific, I'll say, right, we're more scientific, scientists in the background, we're in the you know, science medical health field, predicted this, predicted this was going to happen because the politics got involved and all the mandates were dropped to make recalls go away, to make, um, you know, uh, either side, the left, the right, the red, the blue, you know, look better than the other, right? Politics got in the way, but scientifically, you removed all the variables at the same time, which we all know in science, you can't do that because now we don't know what was effective and what wasn't. So as the vaccinations were going, you know, were going, you know, at the heat or the uh, apex of how many they were giving, things were looking good. Obviously, the rates and everything went down. Instead of removing one thing at a time, right? You remove one variable, you measure it, you see how things continue. If it continues to be successful, you can remove another variable, right? So variables meaning you can remove social distancing. You can remove masks. Yeah. You can then remove gatherings and the size of gatherings, right? Those types of things. Instead, they removed them all at the same time and look where we're at, right? Yeah. We don't know what worked, what didn't. And now, guess what? They're all back again. And everybody's blaming everybody else. Limited, limited gatherings. You know, it doesn't matter if you're vaccinated or not, because we don't, they don't know what's worked and what isn't working, right? I mean, there's research that just came out yesterday that said those who are vaccinated are probably the biggest carriers. Again, who knows if that's right or wrong? Who knows? There's not enough studies because this is all brand new. So, I, and again, how much of this is who versus who? So my point always to my, my clients is we want to do what you want to do, what you feel is protecting you, right? What has worked? We know what's worked. Social distancing, masks, and vaccinations together seem to greatly reduce, okay? A lot of people can't get vaccinated for various reasons, some personal, some medical, and that's okay. But the social distancing, the mask wearing, limited gathering, those have worked as well. And if that is what you're taking into your family to be safe, great. Um, vaccinations, you know, obviously still very wide, uh, uh, widely encouraged and, and, and available, great. But making sure that we're doing something, right? Make sure you're doing what you feel is appropriate for your family to protect your family. We can't worry about who's right on the left, who's right on the right, and who, what mandates are right, and should we not do one or the other? Because they change. Today is different than yesterday. Tomorrow will be different than today. We know what works. Be safe, but also continue to be social. Continue to, be, now that we're back out with our friends, continue to talk to our friends. We've shown that we can gather in small groups and distance and be safe. We've shown that we can continue to do some of the, you know, like you were saying, some of our regular, you know, uh, activities again, going to, to parties or going to the store, or, you know, going to a, a concert. I went to a huge concert, right? But be safe, right? Don't be careless. And, you know, again, respect each other. Everyone has different opinions and might have different, different thoughts of this on other, but this, this is not arguments. These aren't arguments. Nobody has an answer because we don't know yet, right? Everything is developing as we go along. So 
empathizing that everybody is going through different versions of this this COVID abyss is extremely important. Not only one because it doesn't make you don't feel alone in it, but also we can support one another through it the best we can in the best ways that we know how. Yeah, I'm just seeing that. I think because there's so much fatigue that it's bringing up a level of frustration in people that they're, it feels like everybody's taking it out on each other, that even within my, you know, group of friends, I've seen this, even, you know, in our, in our autism community, we're seeing this, um, you know, that, and all you have to do is turn on the news. I mean, I have a dear, dear friend that, um, has a child who is, I mean, think, let me think about how many friends I have that are in this category, a child who is immune compromised and under the age of 12 and on the autism spectrum. Like that describes a great many people that I know. And this, this is very different for them than it is for somebody who's like, I just want to be able to eat a nice meal in a restaurant. And I'm like, I hear you, but you know, like, Everybody needs to be aware that everybody's circumstances aren't the same. Right. Um, it just, it's been a little, and I think it's making us all a little cranky. And, and by that, that, I mean me. <laughs> no, me too. I mean, I, I'm, I mean, people were coming after me the other day about different things. And it's like, where is that frustration coming from? And I think you're exactly right. It's like, let's really pinpoint this. It's not me. It's not you. It's not our neighbor. They're not the issue. The issue is we're done with these limitations we're done with the wear a mask don't wear a mask wear a mask don't wear a mask oh wait now wear a mask again right i mean we're being told by professionals this is what we need to do wait no we're not supposed to do that. oh wait yes you're supposed to oh wait no you're not supposed to and now we're back to yes you're supposed to that type of misinformation or that that confusion creates frustration with everybody yeah let's make sure we're venting it the right way Make sure we're having physical exercise. Make sure that we're keeping our mind, kind of like we were talking earlier with Simone, make sure our body and mind are in a good place. If we're not taking care of ourselves, this frustration is going to pour out in ways that aren't healthy and might actually you know, uh, disrupt some relationships we have. So I'm we want sure we're looking, taking care of ourselves. And I, what I started to say before is that, you know, I have one particular friend who has an immune compromised, compromised child under the age of 12. Vaccine isn't even an issue right now. There's no possibility under the age of 12, not approved. Um, but at some point it might be approved. And at some point the child will reach the age of 12. And I'm not even 100% sure that the doctor will recommend it because of the, the, the child is immune compromised. And what we see in some immune compromised people, they can get the vaccine, but it's not going to be effective and blah, 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 blah. There's all these considerations, right? And she was saying to me, I can't watch the news anymore because every time I turn on the news, they're they're calling this the pandemic of the unvaccinated and their people blaming it on all the people who are unvaccinated. And she said, well, I understand that they're probably not talking about my kid because my kid can't even, she said, it's just so aversive. It's so, um, you know, that it, it, it's hard not to take it personally. And I just want to remind everybody that there are many, many different factions to this. And, if, if you're frustrated because people aren't getting the vaccine, I also want to remind people that you have the ability, as you were saying, to do what you need to do for you. You get to decide if you want to go to a big public outing. You get to decide if you want to put on a mask. You get to decide if you want to stand six feet away from somebody. I just think it's very, I think we got to remember that there are people who can't get vaccinated. Right. And instead of vilifying everyone to be mindful about it, um, you know, uh, it's, I think it's important to, to, for everybody to take everybody else's perspective occasionally. And I think that's missing right now. I think what yeah. you're, what you're, what you're saying is missing by the governor, by the president, by other people where they're trying to mandate everybody do something that they might not be able to do. And I think that's where some of the rub starts to come with a lot of people right now, because as you know, especially the populations that we, we, we work with, everybody's doing the best they can. I very, very rarely have come across anyone that's just all flippant about it and let's not do anything, right? Those are very yeah. atypical people. 
like everyone's doing that as far as that in my life, your life, and we have a pretty big, a broad network of people we, we, we know really are taking this seriously. But now, like you said, there is inadvertent blame being blamed on those yeah. who are, aren't vaccinated, being blamed on, on the pharmaceutical companies because it's showing that you're going to need a six month, nine month, 12 month, yeah. 14 month, you know, booster shots. They don't know yet, right? I mean, that, I'm making that that's embellished, yeah. but you know, you know what I'm saying is that there's, yes. there's, someone's looking for someone to blame, and the problem is our leaders are now doing that as well. They're now blaming the unvaccinated population, yeah. and I think you a lot of the stuff, you know, again, is sensationalized in the media. You know, things are tripling, they're quadrupling. It went from 12 to 24. You know, that type of thing where the numbers. You don't hear numbers, and in, in, in that's part of the media hype. And in, yeah, I can go on and on and yeah. on about the spin, spin, spin doctors that are going Oof, on. It's been crazy. It's, you know, it's there. You know, things were predicted to increase. The entire scientific community knew that it was going to increase. We knew there was going to be variants. Stay safe. Continue. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure you 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 as well. I didn't stop wearing masks. I didn't nope. stop social distancing. Yes, I started seeing more people because I felt more safe, but I always have a mask in my pocket, always putting it on when I need it, always kind of keeping apart from most people, except for, you know, my, my, my close bubble. Yeah. And that's how we stay safe. Absolutely. Right? Not someone telling me or you or, you know what, you need to do this X, Y, and Z. Yes. Uh, I want to address, Christina has written in and said, hey, Ms. Shannon and Ms. Nancy, my friend, he lives in California and he got to go back to work yesterday. Uh, and have we had our vaccines yet? Um, and that going back to the card studio, that that would make uh, their anxiety go away. So I just want to say, I have said to people, I think that it's super personal I like, I don't ever go up to somebody and go, have you had your vaccines yet? Because I feel like that's akin to saying, how much money do you have in your bank account? And what were the results of your last blood work? They're just not, things that, they're not the things that I would ask. Right. But I have been very, I, I made the decision because we do this show and I were, you know, we're public about a lot of things that I came forward a while back and said that my entire family, my child and I, my husband and I, all got our vaccines and we got both of our vaccines. We're fully vaccinated, but I, I won't ask anybody else to disclose that on the program. That's entirely up to anybody who's on the program, I, I, but I won't be asking them because I think it's a personal, it's your medical stuff. So I'm not asking that. Um, and I love that your friend in California went back to work. Look at Vince. Vince is in his office, but Vince doesn't live in Los Angeles and Vince is in an office where I think you have other people there. Nobody's now. here. <laughs> Do you have office. other people in your office though now, or just you still? There are people in the office, but I, you know, I don't leave my den very often. <laughs> there you go. And I have been going back to the office. I've been back in the office. I think I've been there five times in the last two weeks. Um, but we are not. It is not our plan to go back into the studio just yet. We're looking at somewhere mid-September to be back in the studio. Um, so, but I don't want you to feel anxious about that. However, I do want you to know that in Los Angeles, it is different than anywhere else in the world. We have different rules in Los Angeles County for very, uh, you know, I mean, honestly, I think one of the hardest things for me this year was that, you know, we were house arrest, as somebody says, welcome to virtual house arrest. Right. And and we had a teenager who was having his senior year of high school. And anytime I would feel the anxiety of he's not getting to do, he's not getting to do, he's not getting to do, I'd go, but they're all that way. And then we have a very dear friend, uh, Vince, who lives on the East Coast, who also had a son who was a senior in high school. Right. He got to go to his homecoming game. He got to play football. He got to be in the play. He got to go to his prom. And, and I would say, aren't you freaking out? And she would go, no, we're doing that. So it was the tale of two cities, literally. Um, but but they, don't, they don't allow for that here in Los Angeles. And guess what? I'm happy that Los Angeles has been more careful. Um, I want to say, I don't, I don't want to say her name, but a dear, dear friend of this show, a big autism mom in the Los Angeles area is in
a thought, um, but you know, she's here in Los Angeles. It's different here. So we're not back in the studio, but we have a plan to go back to the studio. Uh, and Vince, you're, you've been there pretty much throughout. Yes. Well, my office was empty. I mean, no one was here for a very long time for, I think, four or five months. Yeah. And so I, I roamed the hallways all by myself, which was actually, it was safe because no one was here. And plus it got me away from, from my, my, my family of four. We don't, we didn't have enough room for four computers and for, yeah. you know, I had two college students at, you know, at the time and, and, uh, you know, working wife and we just didn't have that much bandwidth nor computer. So I was like, I'll, I'll go to work. Yeah. But it was, it was, it was lonely. I well, will say that. Yes. And then for, you know, I was just describing to somebody the other day that at the height of the pandemic, my, I'm in a room downstairs. My son was in a room directly above me online, taking his online senior year. And, and we had set up my husband in the upstairs bathroom as a booth because he's a voiceover actor. So he'd be doing the voices to some like horrible game where he's playing a demon. My son would be doing physics and I would be doing the show down here and we'd be stretching our internet to the length of what it could go to. Right. Um, but we made it work, right? Uh, yeah. But But we were talking about building something in the backyard because there wasn't enough space. So good on you that you had a space to go to live shed (laughs) (laughs) yes instead of a she shed there we go uh it's kind of what i've created in this little room in any case we're out of time thanks vince for all your wise words we keep breathing we keep breathing and taking care of ourselves i you know ted Ted lasso says be like a goldfish i'm going to say to everybody be like simone biles prioritize your mental health that's the ticket Um, Thank you, Vince, for being here and for all that you do for so many families. We so appreciate you. Uh, Guys, we're going to be back on Monday with a new show, a live show. Until then, please give your kiddos a hug for me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now. Thank you.